Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. As we do every Thursday, we jump into our time machine for Throwback Thursday. And this week, you'll hear my conversation with Greg Kreinler, one of my favorite Twitter follows and one of the best sports artists you'll ever see. He paints classic scenes from back in baseball's golden era. When we spoke 17 months ago, he previewed his big exhibit coming to the Negro League Museum in Kansas City. Well, a few days ago, that exhibit officially opened. It includes more than 200 of his color studies of legendary Negro Leaguers and early era black and Hispanic ball players. If you'd like to see it, it'll be there till the end of May. So if you go to Kansas City for, say, the Royals-Astros series in early May, then you can double dip at the Negro League Museum. For more of Greg's work, his website is gregkreinler.com. That's Greg spelled G-R-A-I-G. And he's at Greg Kreinler on Twitter. Without further ado, time to hop in the time machine. Well, you've got this real affection for the baseball legends of the past. And, and I'm talking 60, 70, 80 years ago or more. I've got a fascination with that era too. What drew you into those players in that whole period? I think my, my kind of love of it was, uh, was germinated from my father's baseball card collection. He is uh, a child of the forties and fifties. And that's kind of like in the late forties and early fifties was his, his primo time for collecting stuff. And uh, he grew up in New York, so he was a big Yankee fan. And uh, he, unlike, I guess, a lot of people his age, uh, he he didn't have all of his baseball cards thrown out by his parents, uh, only some of them. So he was able to kind of hold on to them. And when I was young, I kind of always gravitated towards them, uh, especially uh, especially like the, the late 40s Bowman and, and early 50s uh Tops cards because they were illustrated and you know rather than rather than photographs so being somebody who really liked to draw it was kind of like oh wow I could you know maybe make my own baseball cards and and you know I don't know who these players are I, I know who Don Mattingly is and I know like Ricky Henderson is but uh, but who's Mickey Mantle you know who's Yogi Berra and my father would you know kind of like sit me down on the proverbial knee and give me an education <laughs> so I kind of fell in love with with his era and you know the era before then and uh, you know as a result kind of ended up being like the only kid in my elementary school who you know who knew who Bobby Richardson or Gil McDougald was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did today's players do they have the same character when you're trying to draw them in, in their face that the legends of the past do? Some of them do. I mean, some of them some of them look interesting uh, like there there's certain quirks about them that i think are really interesting like uh, uh i know he just retired but but ichiro is is one of those guys who just has a very distinct look a very distinct style and i i guess i'm drawn to them differently than i am those older guys i think the the seduction of of painting somebody like like babe ruth or lou gehrig or uh, anyone from that era is that, you know, they kind of only exist in black and white to the majority of baseball fans. You know, you don't see them from 8,000 different angles, you know, on SportsCenter like you like you do with today's players. So there's there's kind of an allure to, to that era more so, I guess, than the modern guys. Yeah, when I think of the guys from this time period, 
you know, they might not have the the wrinkles and the crinkles and all that stuff in their face, but th- there's guys like Mike Trout and Aaron Judge that look like they're almost chiseled out of granite or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like they're, they're like monsters. <laughs> what are some of the guys that have been your favorite players to depict? And, and I'm all in on your Jackie Robinson paintings, not only incredible, but you know, Jackie's one of my heroes. I, I would assume he's, he's probably in your, maybe in your favorites group. Cause I've seen you put up a lot of Jackie pictures, but uh, do, do you have other favorites from, and is Jackie one of those? Yeah. Yeah. Jackie, Jackie's definitely one of them. I, I unfortunately, I don't get to paint him as much as I would like to, because right now I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I don't want to like paint a sob story, but like I, I'm kind of limited to, to, I guess, painting the guys that I'm commissioned to paint. Cause that's kind of all I have time for right now. But, uh, it seems like less and less people go after Jackie Robinson. You know, they're always after Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Mickey Mantle. So those are the guys who I end up painting the most. But if it was up to me, you know, I, I would, I would paint Jackie more. I would paint, uh, probably paint like Carl Hubble, uh, a couple of, I don't know, thousand times more, <laughs> uh, it's hard to pick a favorite. It's it's kind of like I, I see a guy, and in some cases a girl, and I I just I'm gravitated towards their look. And if it's not a player that a lot of people know about, I mean, even if they're a Hall of Famer, they still might not be widely known by baseball fans. I'm just I'm just attracted to them, and I'm kind of attracted to bringing them back to life, and or hoping to bring them back to life and educate people in a way and just kind of like introduce them to to sports fans have you met any of the players that you've painted and if if so what was their reaction i've met a couple i i was telling you uh off mic that i you know i did something for the uh for the uh bob feller museum a while back and i i the painting i did of him i got to present it to him it was about a year or two before he passed away and that was one of the coolest experiences ever because this was at like a big convention hall and the painting is kind of just standing on an easel. And, you know, I'm in this room that, um, you know, it's just like me, my agent, and I guess uh, Bob Feller's uh, assistant or handler or whatever. And Bob comes in and he, and he looks at the painting, uh, you know, before even like saying anything to me. And he kind of like stops like dead in his tracks and he's, he's looking at it and he's like, that's, that's, and he just kind of stumbles his words and he says, that's the best damn painting I've ever seen. And it, it actually like, it felt really genuine. And he was just like super appreciative of, of the fact that I guess, you know, that I did the painting of him and, and he thought that I got all of the details of the day correct. And, you know, I had done my research and all this, and he was just, he was such a, just a genuinely good dude. And meeting him was, was amazing. Like shaking his hand. I mean, the guy at the time, he was like 91 or 92 and it was just, you know, still like an iron grip in his body. You know, he was only like five foot six, five foot seven, not that much taller than me, but it was just, he was thick, you know, he was like a slab of meat and still at like 91 or 92 years old. It was wild. Yeah, he passed away at 92. So you must've met him right, right before he passed away. So that, that, that had, that had to be really uh, fortunate for you to, to get a chance to meet him. Absolutely. Uh, I, I got to ask you cause, uh, we do Houston sports on my show and you know, have you had a chance to paint any Astros or Colt 45s over the years? Uh, unfortunately I have yet to paint any Astros and I'm very sad about that. I mean, because I would love to paint 
some Astros. I mean, whether whether it's like current guys, I mean, Altuve looks so cool. I would love to paint him, you know, Verlander also. But even like some of the guys from, from the 70s with those with the great Tequila Sunrise jerseys, like, oh my God. I, I would love to paint any of those guys. I really would. I think I think until things kind of calm down in my life, personally, like we just, uh, we have uh, two young children that are eating up basically all of my time. Uh, once they kind of grow up a little bit and maybe start going to school, then I could start focusing on doing more stuff for inventory. And then I could probably jump on some Astros, which... I definitely would look forward to. Yeah, those old ballparks. When you're paying a lot of the guys that you, you do from the from the past generations, the ballparks. Uh, if I I think I can't remember who I'm quoting on this one, but they would say uh, somebody would say they look like the inside of an Easter egg with all the colors. And, <laughs> and you know, t- to me, you know, from your perspective, I would assume that the uh, the old Astrodome would be a real fun backdrop to paint with uh, all of its intricacies and stuff like that behind you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in in the 90s or mid 90s or late 90s when uh when it was kind of like in vogue to bring back the ballparks that were of like the earlier styles, like the ballparks that were like smack in neighborhoods. I feel like it was it was almost taboo to kind of look back at places like the Astrodome or RFK and and be like, "Wow, those stadiums were really beautiful." But they were. I mean, you know, they, they were obviously, they were different than, I guess, the kind of ballparks that you were seeing in, in the 40s and 50s, but there was something about them. Each one kind of had its own unique character, even if, even if you know, they were kind of cookie cutters in a way. They were just, like, there's something so, maybe it's kind of out of school for me to say this because I don't live in Houston, but there just seemed something so Houston about the Astrodome, if that makes any sense. Bigger than life, it's Texas. I, I th- that's the... I think that's the thing that you you think about with the Astrodome, and the funny thing is, you know, you haven't if you haven't been here, it's it's basically dwarfed by NRG Stadium where the Texans play. That's right next door, so it, it looks like this little bitty baby brother next to next to it. But luckily, one of the cool things is just recently they they made it a historical landmark, and it's going to stick around. They're they're, they're repurposing it. Uh, that's been a, a constant debate here in Houston for years. So we're happy that the Astrodome gets a chance to live on. Um, the expense of, of keeping it up was, uh, I think, uh, a big thing with people, but also the expense of tearing it down wasn't going to be cheap either. So, yeah, it's it's good. The Astrodome's uh, staying around, so maybe someday you'll get a chance to come down here. It won't be the same because they're going to redo some of the inside, but maybe you'll get a chance to see it in person at one point. As long as they're not going to touch the ceiling, I hope. I mean, that that's that's like the quintessential Astrodome thing to me. Yeah, it it's still got this, you know, the seats that it has in it, and and I would assume that some of that stuff's going to come out, but they they still have all the different colors of the rainbow, basically the the seats in there. The, uh, at this point, but unfortunately, that that I think might change though. All right, well, we'll see. Either way, I mean, even if I can't do anything of the Astrodome, you know, and from modern day, uh, I can at least you know go back in time where there's plenty of photography and 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 draw from there but yeah that that ballpark that ballpark is something else i mean i would have loved to have seen a game there so uh greg i, I want to ask you about um just the research of how you come about doing these drawings and i'm sure you're you're maybe picking up stuff from old photos but i know there's a lot of just reading that goes into this for you right 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a little different now because I guess the internet is uh, so wide reaching, but it, it, I used to kind of spend so much time in, in libraries, just kind of like perusing microfilm uh, files of, of newspapers. I was just kind of amazed at the kind of information that I could get from them. I mean, whether we were talking about you know the the particular uniforms that uh, a team would be wearing during a specific year, or you know something as insignificant or seemingly insignificant as you know just the color of a of an advertisement in in the ballpark. Uh, that that stuff is like that stuff is gold for me. A lot of the research really happens, you know, in the library or I guess here on the internet or or through whatever books I have or emailing other historians and and having dialogues with them. It's kind of a never-ending process. With each with each painting, there's there's always kind of you know at least one major speed bump or roadblock or whatever that I have to kind of traverse through. If I was doing this kind of work. 20 years ago, uh, I don't even know if I would be able to do it. So, you know, thank God for the internet, I guess. <laughs> do you have a favorite book that's maybe the history of the game that is maybe your go-to or, or what you would recommend? I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Glory of Their Times and Summer of 49, Boys of Summer, books like that. Those are great. I, I guess I'm kind of all over the place where like I, there are certain kind of biographies that I, I really enjoy. Like Jonathan Eig's book about uh, Lou Gehrig and, and Jackie Robinson, those books are great. Uh, Jane Levy's books about uh, Sandy Koufax and uh, Mickey Mantle, those were great. She's actually coming out with a, a Babe Ruth one uh, in October, I think, too, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, Glory of Their Times is, is absolutely classic. If I can find books that are kind of I don't know. I, I don't know. If fringe is the right word, but if if they deal with with the subject matter that isn't necessarily going to be, you know, your your typical New York Times bestseller, like that sort of stuff, I get really drawn to. I think like Caitlin Murphy had like a, a a book about just the 1908 season and kind of everything that happened there with uh, the pennant race between the Giants and the Cubs and and Fred Merkel and you know, it's just it's like a topic that you wouldn't normally see a whole entire book dedicated to. But that stuff is really appealing to me. What's been your most difficult or who's been the mo most difficult subject? I would say that the players of the 19th century, I find to be really hard to uh, paint, usually because the, the reference material that I get for them, the photography, is just not really great. I mean, it was still kind of the, the birth of the medium. So the quality of the imagery is not great. Also, the kind of information about the players, like physical information is a bit tough to come by, you know, finding like hair color and eye color. I feel like a lot of that stuff kind of ends up being uh, guesswork on my part. Uh, jerseys are a little easier to come by. There's a, there's a website that was uh, started, I think about a year, maybe two years ago called the threads of our game. That is a, uh, it's basically a database for all known uniforms from the 19th century, you know, starting from like, the 1850s, I think, uh, onto 1900. You know, all the information is is uh, gotten from newspapers, so it's all kind of like, you know, you have primary sources for all of that research, which is wonderful. That stuff is hard, but also the the project that I have going on now with uh, the uh, the Negro Leaguers is also incredibly hard, and also just it's for the same the same reason in that there isn't great photography out there of these guys and. Uh, and the uniforms that they wore. And I guess, you know, for different reasons, any subject matter that's not really widely known or that we don't have a lot of information on, those are usually the hardest. 
you just mentioned the project with the Negro League Museum. Tell people about what, what you're doing with that. Basically, I, I was commissioned by a, a client uh, up in uh, the Pacific Northwest to do, uh, at this point, it's 200 small portraits. They're just like five by seven uh, inches each. 200 of them for a show that he's going to be having at the Negro League Museum in uh, Kansas City in uh, the spring of 2020. And uh, the show is to kind of celebrate the centennial of the formation of the Negro National League in 1920. So this guy, he has a, a huge collection of artifacts of like Negro League memorabilia and, you know, stuff that goes kind of like beyond baseball cards. We're talking like bats and, and stuff like related to, to civil rights uh, issues of the day. And he's commissioned me to do all of those paintings. He's commissioned a few art, uh, a few other artists to do other pieces as well and it's basically just going to be this big extravaganza hopefully in uh, uh in 2020 and it's just uh at the point where right now i've done done about half of the paintings that uh, he's commissioned me to do it just it keeps getting harder because some of these guys that he's asking me to do it's you know these are guys that i think most people most baseball fans might not have heard of, uh, and you know you don't really have many ph- uh, photographs of them in existence. So it's it's been a big challenge, but uh, uh, hopefully in the end, uh, when uh, all is said and done, I'm hoping that it'll kind of throw the Negro leagues into the limelight and you know kind of educate a lot of people about them. I want to ask because uh, one of my close friends, he's uh, he's a big fan of your work. Uh, he's interested in, in prints of your work. Uh, what can people do to get prints of your work or can they do that? Do you have that available? Unfortunately, right now, uh, I'm, I'm unable to do prints. Uh, I can only do originals. Uh, the reason being, in order to do prints kind of like legally and to do it right, there's so many different intellectual properties and, and, and conglomerates that need to kind of be paid in order to kind of do it right. So like if I were to do, if I have a painting of, of, of Mickey Mantle and I, I want to make a print of it, in order to sell it, uh, I would need to get licenses from, uh, from MLB, from the people who represent Mickey Mantle's estate, from the MLB Players Association. Uh, and if I'm working directly from a, a photograph, you know, if it's owned by like, you know, AP or, or Getty, uh, I would have to also get licenses from them. In the end, you know, combining that with the cost of actually like making uh, prints or lithos or giclés, it just becomes incredibly expensive. It's a bit more money than I can put into it at this moment. But I'm hoping in the future I might be able to do something. For what it's worth, the collector who uh, who's in charge of the uh, the Negro Leagues exhibit, he actually has the rights to put out prints and and reproductions of the Negro League stuff that I do for him. So if you were to go to his website, you would be able to get some stuff. But it would just be you know Negro League related. The coolest thing I could think of would be baseball cards of your work that that would be pretty sweet that's the dream that's the dream he's actually so he's actually working or in talks with some companies uh to kind of get a baseball card set together as well as maybe getting a book released and that like that would be it you know if i if i were to like open a pack of cards or something like that and i I see my work i i would 
I, my head would explode, I think. <laughs> it would just be amazing. Tell people where they can find your stuff. I mentioned your website. Let people know about that and um, any more places where people maybe could see it in person. You can uh, check uh, out my work uh, at gregkreinler.com. It's G-R-A-I-G-K-R-E-I-N-D-L-E-R. And you can find me on most social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even like Pinterest and like Tumblr. You can also, if you want to check out what's going on with the uh, – the Negro League Centennial Project, you can go to uh, that website, which is just uh, negroleagueshistory.com. And uh, yeah, I mean, seeing my work in person, I guess uh, the the two places that I can think of uh, that uh, you can see it in public, uh, you can see a uh, painting of Yogi Berra and Don Larson at the uh, Yogi Berra Museum in Montclair, New Jersey. Or if you happen to be in Cleveland, if you're at Progressive Field, I'm pretty sure that the painting I did for the Bob Feller Museum is still hanging there because I know the museum dissolved a couple of years back and I know that the ballpark had it for a few years. I'm just not sure if they still have it this year. Just keep the head of your Yogi Berra. You can put a little Astros uniform on him because, you know, he spent that time as the, as the, as the coach, although the face is, is much older when he was the head coach of the Astros. <laughs> you know what, though? But wearing that cool jersey makes up for it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would still work for me. I'd be very happy to do it. <laughs> and there's no more character in, in a face of a player than, than Yogi, I would think. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't get much better than him. Uh, pretty much at like any stretch of his life, it doesn't get much better than him. Well, I'm going to put some of that information in, in, into the show description. And uh, I hope people, if you haven't, go check out his, his website, see some of his work because it's, it's really special. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, Greg. It was good to catch up with you. Yeah, same here, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.